another one other prayer request. I, I wrote it down and I and I didn't get to it. I apologize. Uh, Jim uh, is really uh, sick today, um, and so uh, Kathy asked that we might pray, you know, pray for him as well. So I would like to do that right now. Lord, we bring Jim to you and ask, Lord, that you would be with him. Uh, very clearly, flu symptoms and. And uh, we just ask that you would bring strength and healing to him, protect Kathy. Uh, and we just ask for a quick recovery in Jesus' name. Amen. Also, if uh, you are out to visit, if you are inclined to visit uh, people who, uh, especially uh, uh, those that are in the quote-unquote, uh, uh, I can't remember the right word to use, but high-risk bracket, I just realized that includes me, huh? <laughs> uh, call before you go to, to see them, just to make sure that they're up to a visit and, and uh, wanting to, to have someone come by. Um, I have just a few brief thoughts this morning, um, and I, I'm going to start with, uh, with Ecclesiastes, where we've been working from over the, and preaching and sharing from over the last uh, few weeks. Uh, looking at chapter 9, verses 1 through through 3, I know that this was the message last week, but I just a, a couple of thoughts from this. Um, the Scripture reads, But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and to the evil, to the clean and to the unclean, to him who sacrifices and to him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner. And he who swears an oath is as he who shuns an oath. This is a a vanity and all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Now, the same event happens to all ultimately is the picture of death comes to us all. We're all... uh, 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 what I'm, and again, I cautiously say it when I, when I do this, Adamic bodies, uh, in the sense that we've inherited the fallen flesh from Adam. And as a result, in order for this, this flesh, uh, it, it's going to run its course on this earth. And, and I, I like the picture that, that Paul picture, uh, paints of it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that this is like a, a tent, and eventually it wears out. And uh, it, it no longer is, it has its youth. Use well, the tent gives up, and it, and, and it's an awesome statement that, that Paul makes at that point. What is mortal, this is swallowed up by life. So even as a believer dies, we win, and that's where where Paul would uh, add, you know, uh, to live is, is 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 Christ, to die is gain. And I also want to emphasize uh, that where this happens in the reality is is that. Uh, according to the the way Jesus put it in uh, on the cross, when the thief was talking to him uh, about remembering him when his kingdom comes, Jesus said to this man, based on his confession right there of faith, he says, "This day you will be with me in paradise." And I believe that it is instantaneous. The moment we give up breath on this uh, in this mortal body into this uh, uh, fragile tent. Uh, we are in the presence of the Lord if we have confessed with our mouth and believe in our heart that He is the Son of God. 
the Christ, the Messiah. So, what we've been going through in Ecclesiastes is really appropriate for the point that we're at right now with what's going on in our culture. The reality is, is that in God's sovereignty, uh, things happen, and we realize that it, it's not the, the things of this earth that happen are not uh, taking exception with the sense of saying, well, oh, this, is, this, this person is exempt because he gave a tithe or he did this or he did that or he's a part of the church or whatever. We're susceptible to everything that goes on in this world. Our bodies are, you know, when there was, a, when there was the flu epidemics uh, through the, 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 our history, somebody, you know, they keep going back to, to 1918 and, the, and that great flu epidemic then. Heck, I can go back to the Hong Kong flu. <laughs> I recognize that one. My wife was so sick. Kathy never gets sick. She was the only time I've ever seen her off her feet sick. And in, in all the time that I've known her and that we've been married, which is over 50 years. And, and she was, had the Hong Kong, Hong Kong flu. And it was devastating. There was a lot of, of, of things that went on. Well, those things affected the church as much as they affected any other part of society. And so the reality for that is, is that we are to be a people prepared to be with the Lord at any point, at any time. And realize that, that even if death comes to this tent and it's done, I win. That's the neat thing that, that Paul says. To, to live is Christ, but to die is to win, to gain. To be, a, you know, uh, at, at, it, it's a picture of victory. So that we can actually say, according to, again, what Paul writes to the Corinthians, death, where's your sting? Where's your victory? It's gone. Because we have Jesus Christ. Ecclesiastes points out that, that, that bad things happen to good people. But the reality is, bad things simply happen because the world is fallen. So I'm going to suggest to you that this uh, coronavirus is, is, is the result of... Somebody's going to say, well, it's the result of sin and is a judgment of God. Um, I've heard more than one Christian pastor over the, the radio and, and other shows, you know, other access to uh, podcasts and stuff, say something to that effect. And the reality is, there's some truth in that. Everything that, that, that takes the life of a man is part of the fall. Period. And, and uh, it's the reality is, is, is that not to focus on, oh, judgment and, and all this kind of thing. The reality is to, to, for me is to focus on Jesus Christ and Him as Savior and what we can do to promote that in the midst of all of this situation that's going on. Um, in the Old Testament, in 2 Corinthians, or excuse me, Second Chronicles, Old Testament, Second uh, in Second Chronicles, a very familiar passage uh, is uh, chapter seven, verse thirteen and fourteen. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven, will forgive their sins and heal their land. What, what is being told to us here is that God allows trouble to come into this world. And He does it for a purpose. To draw people to His, 
to remind people to, to come back to Him or to draw to Him in the first place. We are so caught up with life in this world that, 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 we, you know, that we forget that, that, that this life is simply a, a moment as we look ahead to what God is drawing us into. And so, uh, as trouble comes, verse 13 points out trouble comes, what is our response to that? Well, first off, it's self-examination. That's what God was driving for here as we look at this. As I bring these things out and allow these things to happen, you need to examine yourself. And, and this is how I want you to, to respond. Here's the response I'm looking for. Uh, I want you to humble yourself. I want you to pray. What does that mean? To draw close to God. I want you to seek me out, God says. And turn from your wicked ways. Somebody will ask, what is a wicked way? Uh, anything that doesn't, you know, anything that distracts you and takes you away from Christ. Somebody say, well, that's, that's hard. That's harsh. Yeah, it is. Especially in the fallen flesh that we have. It's so easy to get distracted. That's why Scripture says very clearly, don't fool yourself. All of us have sinned. All of us shall fall short of the glory of God. The need for repentance is a daily activity. It shouldn't be something that happens once a week in church only, but it should happen constantly as we see sin in our lives to come to repentance. Uh, we humble ourselves. That's the humbling ourselves. And pray, God, forgive me. And as we seek His face, it means to seek His ways and put aside the ways of the world. In Romans chapter 5, we have again a familiar passage starting with the first verse. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to stop there for the moment and, and understand to be at peace with God means to be saved. In other words, to know God as your Savior. What is to be at peace with God is the understanding that, that we deserve something that we're not getting. And so at one point we were enemies with God. And now we are at peace with God through Jesus Christ our Savior. The idea of being an enemy with God was the reality that, that we were unsaved. So to be at peace with God, when it says peace on earth, goodwill towards men, it, it, in, in the Christmas scriptures and passages, the Advent passages that go with that, the, the picture frequently is, is in paintings and on TV shows and stuff like that, is the idea of peace on earth. No wars, no, no fighting, you know, everybody's at peace. That's not what it means. Peace on earth and goodwill towards men means to be at peace with God through the reality of Jesus Christ our Savior. Believe again in, in, in your heart, confess with your mouth that He is the Son of God. That you are willing to identify yourself as a child of God, a believer in Jesus Christ. Humble yourself, pray, seek God's face, turn from your wicked ways. And it says, God has a response. He says, first off, I will hear you. If you come humbly asking for forgiveness, uh, God's going to hear you. By the way, God's also going to provide through His Holy Spirit 
strength to turn from our wicked ways. I look over my life and I realize, and I, and I know I've shared this with many of you before, but I, I'm a very graphic person. I see things, in, things uh, basically in pictures. Uh, and, and so uh, uh, I look, and, and, and one time I was, uh, was working through an artichoke, and I don't know how many of you like artichokes. It's a lot of work to get to the what? Yeah, and that is the goal. Anybody who really is a connoisseur of artichokes, the goal and the desire is to get to the heart. When you go and buy one of those jars of, 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 of marinated artichokes, they've got a few of the inside leaves that are really soft and, 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 and the heart. That, and, and, and that's what you, you know, that was the goal to get to. All you have to do is pick those out and eat them, you know. But, but the idea of when you get a regular full artichoke, you get the tough leaves on the outside. I look at that as my worldly life before Christ. And then you start, you know, you ask Christ as your Savior and you start getting into the, some of the, the walk gets easier. And at some point the leaves just pop out and they're tender and easy to eat. And then you finally get down to, to a point in time where you, you're ready to look at, you know, you get to the, the heart of it. And what's, what's the first problem you notice? That wasn't rhetorical. It needs to be cleaned. It's full of thistle. And we're not talking about a few. We're talking about thousands. And those things are stuck in there. You, you don't just go like this and pull them out. Uh, you know, you have to what? Scrape them out or cut them out to get to the heart of the matter. And, and what was, I felt what God was saying to me when I was doing this and looking at this and thinking about it was my, my complaint was basically, God, sometimes it seems like it gets harder than easier. I mean, I don't do this anymore. I don't do that anymore. I don't do this anymore. I don't do that anymore. And, and, and the idea was, well, those were initially the crusty leaves on the outside. And then we got to the easier part of the walk as you, you began to understand and put it together. Things move faster in your Christian walk. But he says, the real issue is, is that I, what I've always wanted to do was to get right down to the, the depth of your heart and clean it. And he says, we're finally down to that. And I realized walking with the Lord and growing in the Lord and, and being right with the Lord and turning from my wicked ways and all of those things is a lifetime commitment. And so he asks us to, to, to humble ourselves, to pray. And the idea of the prayer is, is both to pray for uh, all the things that we want. Lord, the Lord's Prayer is, is a good study on that. Um, seek God's face. And turn from your wicked ways. So keep that in mind. And, then, and every, every crisis that we come to is an opportunity to seek God and to come closer to Him. And so look again at this. Uh, looking at, at chapter 5 of, of Romans. Through God we have also ordained, uh, obtained access by faith into His grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. How anti-culture is that? Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, 
people in the world look at, at distress and suffering as as things that you know are put us down and and and, and depress us and 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 take us uh, our strength away from us. For the Christian, we look at, at the sufferings that the world goes through and say it produces endurance. It produces character. It produces hope. And again, God promises us that hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Look at the, a little further here too. Verse 6. For while we were still... How does this happen? For while we were still weak, at the right time... And you've got to emphasize that. At the very right time. God is never late. He's never early. <laughs> he is there at just the right time to get our attention. And, and, and he says, at the very right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by His blood, much more, how much uh, more shall we be uh, saved by Him from the wrath of God? Christ died for us. So when we, we pray and we humble ourselves, we rest in this truth. We have come to Christ to be our strength in times of, of concern, in times of what appears to the rest of the people as, as helpless or hopeless. We have a hope. We have a help. We have the Holy Spirit that's been given to us to strengthen us, to direct us, and to, as we open the Word of God, to instruct us. In Matthew chapter 6, again, very familiar verses to, uh, to us as, as believers. Verse 25, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. And the idea of here about your body goes beyond just your clothing. We don't need to be concerned about the things of the world and how it can attack us. What we, you know, don't, don't, don't worry about these things. Don't worry about the, 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 the you know, the things that you need to eat and this type of thing. It says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, no more, are you not more valuable than they are? Do we rest in God with that confidence? Well, we can turn around and say, well, there's places in the world where there are Christians who are starving to death. Where's, the, where's God there? They have, through the, the, the reality of what's going on, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, they have the hope that even though the consequences of a fallen world and sinful world is affecting their lives and their culture, they have the promise to live as Christ, to die as gain. I recall a missionary in India during a famine in India. There was a couple of, of uh, uh, containers delivered full of food, uh, you know, non-perishables, canned foods and rice and beans and things like that. And, and for this uh, small little geographical area for the church. And so the church was used as the distribution point. It was for the members of the church. 
And it was raised for that purpose. And all this stuff came from churches all over the, the, the West Coast. And, and, uh, and uh, when the, this, this one family that got it, they, they, they turned around and uh, shared it with their neighbors who weren't saved. And there was actually a, a rebuke to them. And I thought it was interesting. The rebuke was, that was for you and your family so that you'll be strong enough to, to continue to, to, to serve and, and, and get through this. And he says, yeah, but we know we're saved. They're not. They need an extra couple of days if that's all it gives them. Maybe this will do it. What a different way of looking at the world. That's how God wants us, I really believe, to look at the world. We are here to take the opportunity to share the Lord, to be prepared to give a testimony, and even to share our worldly goods if that would give somebody an opportunity to know Jesus Christ. Do you think that's what Jesus would do? He tells us. You gave to those who were hungry. You gave to those who were in need. You visited those that were, you know, needed help and then in prison. All of those things. And he says, this is, this is the way we are. We take uh, the, the people in, uh, that Paul took an offering for. They took and they shared it. You know? uh, it's, it's, the reality is, is that this is where God wants us. To pray, to seek His face, to turn from our wicked ways, to, to look at every crisis as an opportunity to serve Him. And to go on in chapter uh, 6 here, uh, dropping down to verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And when you, somebody says, well, if they just stop there and don't put the rest of the Scripture into context, they say, well, see, He's supposed to give me. According to what? His purpose. It's always according to His purpose. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, don't, you know, we... Just look at today. Get through this day. Don't, don't look at tomorrow and say, how am I going to get through tomorrow? Now, we'll turn around and say, is there a sense of being prudent? Yeah, Scripture talks about being the lazy man and the, and, the, and the industrious man and this type of thing. Don't misunderstand that we are to be wise and prudent with what we have in our resources and, and, and to plan ahead in that context. But don't plan ahead in the sense of, of, of saying, I'll take care of this. We plan ahead and then rest in Christ. That and God's plan and His purpose. And His plan and His purpose may be not to worry about tomorrow, but to share what you have today with your neighbor or a friend. Every crisis is a call, an opportunity to seek God. We see in these Scriptures, uh, you know, this idea of seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seeking out the face of God. How do we do that, by the way? How do we seek the kingdom of God? Well, according to the Psalms, I think one of my favorite Psalms, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. 
He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that He does prospers. And again, with the framework of, of God's plan, all that He does prospers because He's working now for God's plan, and God's plan will be accomplished. So I look at this. He doesn't stand in the path of sinners. If you stand in the path of sinners, you're going to end up sitting in the seats of scoffers. And if you sit with the seat of scoffers, you'll ultimately uh, deny the Lord or ignore Him in certain areas, in certain parts of your life. And I love what He calls us. When we meditate on His Word and we start to grow in His Word, He plants us by the streams of water. The streams are canals built to nourish a field. Well, we, you know, all we have to do is go over into the, the valley and see all of these water canals that, that, that feed the, the farmers. You know, thing. That's what this canal is. It's, it's, a, it's a made to, for the purpose of nourishing. And so God says, I put you in a field where I am providing the water to nourish you, and you will prosper. You will be everything I need you to be in my kingdom's work. Another scripture that seemed to just really come to me this this last few days was the idea of of how we react to what the Lord is doing around us. And so far, it's obviously this idea of humbling yourself, praying, coming before the Lord, uh, worshiping Him. And it says, and Paul writes in Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In the midst of all that's going on, what God's Word tells us is to think about the positive things of God. Whatever is honorable, whatever is good. You know, right now, all I see is a bunch of people, you know, and, you, know you hear it on the news and this type of thing, pointing their finger at whose fault this is, that things are as bad as it is. Well, things are bad because we live in a fallen world. People have a choice. The church has a choice. What are we going to really focus on? Are we going to focus on the things of God? Then take this back to Psalm 1 where it says, what, what are we called to do? We're called to meditate on the Word of God. Day and night. How do we do that? Somebody says, well, I guess I could carry up a pocket testament or something. The idea is, is to, to know the Word of God enough that even if you paraphrase it in your, your meditation, is to enjoy it and say, this is what guides me, directs me, and this is what I want to come out of my mouth when I see someone in trouble and in need. I want the things of God to flow from me. Rejoice with thanksgiving in all that the Lord does. Peter writes, In your hearts honor Christ as the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Now I'll take this back to Matthew, or, uh, Romans chapter 5. 
all of the, the things that cause people to be depressed and downtrodden and all this stuff. He says, should in us produce hope and endurance and joy in the sense of Paul's what he's saying. Rejoice in the Lord always, even in the bad things. Because somehow, God even uses the worst things that come into our life ultimately for the good and the purpose of His kingdom and also ultimately for the good of us. I can't always see that. There are things that have happened in my life that I can't see how that comes together. But in faith, I trust that God has it in His hands. And so I look at this and I say, I'm prepared to give a testimony because of what God has done. That can only happen if I'm coming back to these pictures that I've already shared. Humbling myself, praying, uh, seeking the face of God, desiring His purpose to be accomplished through me. All of these things. Because if I'm just like the rest of the world, there's not going to be any reason for them to ask me. And so there must be something that God wants different in us. And of course, that's what I, why I shared these Scriptures today. In the midst of a crisis, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of confusion... Whether no matter how serious it is or isn't, no matter how you, it's been politicized to the point that, that people are pointing fingers and all this kind of stuff. For you, it is for us, for the body of Christ, it is an opportunity to live in such a way that we have a confidence that the God of all creation is going to see us through this and give us the opportunity to share our testimony. And so the idea is to be prepared for that. Again, I, I, I mentioned the scripture already, uh, Philippians 1.21. Uh, Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Do you really believe that? To live is Christ, to die is gain. If we really believe that, then these other things are going to feed us into this picture of living and walking for Christ. By the way, we don't rejoice in somebody, you know, in somebody's death in the sense of the fact that uh, I, I look at it with, with grief, and I'm, and I'm thinking of Eldon and Bill's family and and all right now, and and the the reality is is that there is grief, there is sadness, and Bill, you're entitled to that. You love your dad, and and you miss him, and there's a special. Point. By the way, just the reality that we love somebody that much to grieve is 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 a, an amazing thing in the sense that uh, you know if you if you didn't grieve, it would show you how little you love. You know, so the grief is a response to the fact that we love somebody, we miss them. But the reality is is that we don't grieve for Eldon. We rejoice for Eldon. He accepted Christ. Somebody was, might have been concerned at one point that he hadn't mastered the Christian walk in a sense. And I said, and who has? You know? He's with the Lord. I'm confident. I've heard his confession. I know that, that he believes in Jesus Christ. And, and so, with that, I have this confidence and a celebration that I know that he's face to face with God. And while he, you know, is with in that, I wouldn't want him to to lose that. Different people say why 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 Jesus was was upset when with bringing Lazarus. You know, 
I think it was because he knew that Lazarus would have to die again. The reality is that we have this absolute confidence to live as Christ, to die as gain. So in a, in a, in, in a kind of a, uh, a picture of looking at this, you know, uh, as Christians we're, uh, and as the church and as a group of people who congregate together on a regular basis, uh, this virus has invaded our general way of doing things. The idea of social distancing. Do we need to or do we not need to? By the way, do you know what the social distancing is? I'm, I'm assuming most of you do. The idea is, is that three feet, and I look around and already we're violating that, but, but we're, we're sitting in family groups, that, you know, and so in between that, there's that, that distance, you know. And, and uh, you know, social distance is three, the three-foot rule is what they look at. Um, frequent hand washing. Hand sanitizer. Good luck on finding some. Um, by the way, prudent things. As Christians, we're to be prudent. The frequent washing of hands. If, if I, I, I don't know how many of you know how the Seventh Day Adventists are about that, but when our doctor was uh, that when we first got him up here was a Seventh Day Adventist. And, and he was talking about washing our hands all the time, especially when we were handling the newborn baby and, and, and this type of thing. And, and I asked him, I says, uh, what happens when you go? Because he and his family were going to Disneyland. And he says, we spent a lot of time in the restroom. <laughs> but, but the idea is, is we, you know, it's a prudent thing to do. What if it really helps? What, what, in a challenge to you, what, what, how difficult is that for us? Okay? So, uh, you know, uh, the social distance, the washing of our hands. By the way, if you have symptoms of the flu, call your doctor. Don't go in. Just call. They'll tell you whether to come in or not, whether there's anything that they can do, and, 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 and they'll be... In, They'll be aware that, that there's one more person out there that may have a problem and they'll know whether to, to test you and all of those kinds of things. Have a reasonable amount of supplies. Somebody says, what's reasonable? According to the state of California, do you realize that we're all called to, as, as a reasonable uh, uh, supply and a, and a person that lives in California, especially in any earthquake zone, which is California, I guess, as a whole, uh, that we're to have how many days worth of, of supplies available? 30 days. You know, so, you know, that, this, this idea of being prepared, we should already have it in our, we should already be there if we're, if we're prudent and, and, and uh, concerned about, you know, possible situations that could happen to us because we live in this particular state. People that live in hurricane areas, people that live in typhoon areas, people that live in, in uh, you know, twister areas and, and all that kind of stuff. There's, uh, there's guidelines for all of this. The guidelines for this is that we should be prepared at least for two weeks if in, a, in an overall picture. But in California, we should be two weeks ahead of that. The ultimate picture is what is my Christian response 
to this. My Christian response first is to say, what does the Word of God say? And where the Word of God doesn't give me absolute direction is to be prudent and cautious and and thinking in terms of how can, in the midst of all of this, I be the person that brings Christ to someone else. Whether Christian or not a Christian. And it, and, and it reminds me of one last thing I'll share with you. Some of I'm looking around in here and probably the only persons in here would would remember Mr. Young will be the, the Chamberlains and maybe uh, Jim as well. But Mr. Young came, came to the United States. He was a, a, a South Korean. And he had a number of family members who had become had come to the to California uh, for you know to get work and 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 you know move they were immigrants to California and and he'd become a Christian after they all left and he wanted to come to California and share Christ and so he was coming from uh, you know going from place to place to do this. And the first thing he would do when he got into a community was start to call the churches to see if anybody would put him up. And most of the people thought, you know, he said he was blown away at how many people said, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> because in Korea, that would have been an automatic. You show up at a church and, you don't, and you're there for the night and you don't have, somebody would just take you home with them and feed you and put you up for the night. And I thought, what an interesting thing to, 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 to consider as, as a people. You know, and and then uh, uh, he would ask, as as a as a Christian man, he says, uh, we had him come to our Bible study and speak, and uh, he asked, how many times have you read the Bible? How many of you have read at one time? And, and you know, a few people in the Bible study kind of reluctantly, you know, they raised their hand, you know, how many two times? How many three times? How many four times? And after a while, the only person raising their hand was Arlene Scriver. And, uh, and, 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 and then he said, that's very good. How many times are you going to read next year? This is our source. This is our strength. The power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. You know, this, this should be read before a commentary. It should be read before a book about the Bible. This is, this is what we need. And the Holy Spirit is here to guide us and direct us through it. So I'm going to say the prudent thing for us as Christians in the midst of all of this be faithful in the Word. Be faithful in prayer. Be humble before the throne of God. Ask for His forgiveness. Rest in the confidence that the God of all creation is our Savior. And, and ask for Him to give us His eyes, give us His ears, that we might have His hands. We will not have His hands to minister unless we have His eyes and His ears to see and to hear the needs of the people around us. And then His Word, God breathed, to give us the, the, the key instructions as to how to minister to them. And what's the most important thing to minister to them? The Word of God in the sense of who Christ is and what He's done. People say, well, they don't want to listen. Doesn't, that doesn't give you the option of saying, no, I'm not going to do it. My thing was to reject it, put it away, not want anything to do with it. I even told my wife, if somebody shows up at the Bible coming to our house, uh, a number of her friends were becoming Christians. I said, I'll just simply leave. Uh, you know where I go. Uh, you know the phone number. Call me when, when, I, when, when, when they're gone and I'll come home. And it 
just the right time. In a crowded restaurant, I sit down with another person and said, hey, is that seat shaken? Two hours later, after he shared the gospel, for two hours, over cold breakfasts, we finally broke up. And, and the only commitment he asked for me was to read the Gospel of John with the understanding that John was committed to what he wrote. I could do that. Went across the street and bought a New Testament the bookstore. Went down to my shop and sat in my spray booth. My spray booth had the best lighting. Sat in a rocking chair that I should have been working on. And uh, read the Gospel of John. Luke, Mark, Matthew, backwards, like I do most things. I know I've shared this story many times, but the reality is is that I thought the intensity with which these guys write is amazing. By the way, my, my good friend who banished Christians from his home, uh, they, his wife had become a Christian. He did not want them in his house. And so he just said, don't let your friends come by. I don't want them here. When he found out that Kathy and I had become Christians, when we came back up here to uh, visit over in Paradise to visit, uh, we, we spent one night and he bluntly asked us to leave. Didn't want him in the home. I don't know if Bud ever accepted the Lord. I have no idea. But we'd shared it nonetheless. And uh, knowing that we would be asked <laughs> probably to leave, but we felt we needed the opportunity. God had given us the opportunity to do it, so we did. But, you know, the, the bottom line is, is, is what God has called us to do, to be ready to give a testimony. And when God provides the opportunity, I look back at that guy, and Bud, Bud had told me, he says, do you know that that guy's a drunk, an alcoholic? And you bought into what he shared about the Gospel? And I thought... I'm a drunk. I have a problem with alcohol. Told three cars into the influence. What better guy, guy to use than that for God to get a hold of me? At just the right time. We are all put in places, I believe, on a regular basis, just at the right time, to at least example Christ and if given the opportunity to use words to describe Him into what He has done for us. You don't have to be able to quote the book of Romans. You don't have to, you know, you just need to be ready to share. Do you believe that God has done this for you? Normally we'd go into communion at this time. We're not doing communion today because, again, everybody would have to touch the trays and all this kind of stuff. We're, we're being prudent within the framework of what God has told, uh, you know, told us to be and, 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 and wanting to be cautious. I ask the, the, that you be uh, check out our website. Uh, and, and it's in the bulletin, I think at the bottom of the opening page. And uh, we'll have the, the what is called the podcast you know, on there. Uh, and we'll be doing that on a, uh, through the next few weeks. Our next service together will be on Easter Sunday. Unless something radically happens that, that, that would be wise and prudent to avoid that. Um, People ask about small groups getting together personally, one-on-one, two-on-two, that type of thing. Use your best judgment. I'm not going to suggest to you what to, what to, to do other than that. I believe that there are some very wise people from the, 
the World Health Organization and other groups that are looking at this and saying, you know, there's some wisdom in, in being careful, being cautious. We've chosen to do that. I hope you can understand that, even if you don't agree with it. And, uh, you know, don't let that run you off, I hope. And uh, thank you so much uh, for being here this morning. Uh, before we close in prayer, I want you to know, in spite of, you know, all of that, you know, uh, that, that you know, we, we have, if you want to stay and visit for a few minutes, this type of thing, <laughs> feel free to do so. And uh, just... Uh, Understand that, that we want to be uh, everything we can as leadership to you, to minister to you in every way we can, and to protect you as well. And that's our goal and our hope. Would you join me in prayer as we close this morning? Father, we thank you so much for your, your, your love, your mercy, your grace. And, and when we say that, we, we're, what we're thanking you for is the reality that, that uh, while we were still enemies, you died for us. That's made absolutely clear in your word. While we were still enemies, you went to the cross. While we were still enemies, you showed that, that you care for us. And then you invited us into your kingdom. If we would confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believe that you raised Him from the dead, you would receive us into your kingdom as children, joint heirs with Jesus for the kingdom of God. What an amazing thing you have done. And so we come to worship you, to thank you, and to ask you, Lord, to protect uh, our, our area. Uh, break the cycle of this virus everywhere, Lord, would be our plea. And bring strength and healing. And Lord, if there's people in our congregation that need our help, uh, we ask, Lord, that, the, that you would make it known to us in such a way that we can minister to them and do whatever is necessary to meet their needs. And we thank You, Father, again, through Your Holy Spirit, for Your Word, that we can read what You claim to be and what I believe is true. Your God-breathed Word for us to see who You are and to have uh, an opportunity to catch a glimpse of, of what it is You want to accomplish. Cause us to grow in Your Word and its understanding and our love for it. We worship You. We praise You. We thank You. In Jesus' name. Do you have a couple?